Good morning and welcome to the Volley Nerd Podcast. This is your host, Davis Ransom. And today on the podcast, we have Ka Tran here with us to discuss pain-free volleyball and how our athletes can play longer and more pain-free. So thanks so much for being with us, Ka. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really uh, happy to be here and uh, hop on the podcast. So, Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. So before we get started, would you mind just letting everyone know a little bit about your background? Yeah. Uh, so to start, um, you can find me on like Instagram as, as pain-free volleyball, but, um, my name is Ka Tran. Uh, I have been coaching volleyball for, you know, probably over 10 years now. Um, and I've been playing volleyball for probably 15 plus years. Uh, I used to be a high school teacher. Actually, I used to teach social studies. Uh, but now I actually am full-time working as a coach with, uh, with ATG. Uh, if you don't know what ATG is, ATG is like, uh, stands for athletic truth group. And it's an online training program uh, where we kind of uh, help athletes get pain-free and then build athleticism uh, from there. Cool. Yep. Very cool. So when we talk about the Athletic Truth Group, that's a really cool name. What, what are they trying to impress upon people? Uh, so the goal is the, the key word there is truth. We try to spread like um, different truths of training, right? So for example, like one thing we – really, really focused on is like knees over toes training, right? Our founder yeah. is uh, this guy named Ben Patrick, actually, uh, who goes by knees over toes guy on Instagram. Uh, he's pretty popular. So a lot of people probably have heard of him. But uh, so for example, like a big myth is like, you should not squat with your knees over your toes because um, that's bad for your knees or it causes more pressure for your knees. Uh, and in fact, we, we disagree and we specifically train knees over toes because we believe it translates to, to sport much more than not doing these over itself. Okay, very cool. And some of those ideas we're going to kind of dig into today and, um, and, and really kind of focus on how we can keep our athletes and ourselves healthy and pain-free. So um, you, how did you get involved with helping people in this, in this way? Yeah, so um, like my journey and, and like any other coach really that works with ATG, journeys kind of starts the same. We all kind of start with like our own knee pains. Uh, and then we all kind of train on the system, right? So like for me, uh, I've had like knee pain since I was pretty much in high school. So like, I, I remember vividly my junior years when it started, um, I was just kind of like working too hard essentially, right? So I like, uh, I, I did these things called jump soles. I don't know if you remember them, but yep. you know, yep. the jump soles, you put yep. the, the weight on your foot. I was doing that. I was playing club. I was uh, hitting the weight room, trying to play in the weekends. So I, I just put myself through too much and then I was not uh, able to recover. Right. So I had like knee issues. I was still able to play, you know, when you're younger, you're a little more injury resistant and you can like handle things like that better. But um, over time it only got worse. So by the time I was like 28, uh, I, I like really couldn't play anymore. And uh, I randomly ran across uh, knees over toes guy on Instagram. And uh, he had like a program ATG. I tried it out. Uh, and once I tried it out, you know, it, it kind of fixed my knees. And wow. uh, yeah, so so during quarantine time, um, I think it was last last summer, um, I was teaching, but I was teaching online. So I had a lot more free time and I decided like, okay. like I kind of fixed my knees. Let's let's like help other people too. At the time I was already helping friends, like, yo, like try this out, do this. Uh, so I decided to start my page, Pain-Free Volleyball. Uh, and then it kind of took off from there. You know, I tried to basically design the ATG 
for volleyball players, you know? And, and I talked to Ben about it first, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this thing. I'm using your stuff. Is it cool? He's the kind of guy that wants to help everybody. So he's like, of course. Uh, and that's kind of how I got started. That is so cool. Yeah. And, and I love that it's, you're taking something that is general and putting it specifically to volleyball because there is, you know, it's obviously there's unique, uh, attributes to every sport right and volleyball is certainly uh unique in that regard so i'm stoked you're doing that that's such a cool thing yeah yeah so why is it important to be pain-free like we all obviously we don't want to have pain because it hurts right but (laughs) yeah but but besides that besides just the feeling of pain what is important about it you know what i mean yeah, I mean, for me, uh, it really has to do with like longevity of of playing, right? Like, I I love playing volleyball, and I want to play as long as I can. You know, like to think that at 28 I was going to be done playing and only have to like coach and watch kids play the game that I love to play, like that would that would have sucked, right? So yeah, um, so longevity is a big one, of course. Um, but even for like younger athletes uh, who who are playing, right? Obviously, playing pain free, you're going to be a better player. You know, like we've, we've all had that moment where we have like been in the game and I know myself specifically where like you can't jump as high, you can't move as fast because your knee is hurting or or you can't hit as hard because your shoulder's hurting and then you Mm -hmm. end up losing the game, you know? So my, my Mm -hmm. thing was like, never put myself in a position like that again, where uh, injuries hold me back from success. You know, it's one thing for skill or one thing if the team's better than you, but when you're hurting and you know, you can play better if you're not hurting, uh, that's something you can like take care of and control. That's a great point. Yeah. And I think some, sometimes we almost go, it is what it is. And I was kind of talking to you in the, in the pre-pod and I, I got bad knees too. And I was like, ah, I can't play. I got bad knees. And, and you're like, you should try it out. You should try the athletic trip group. You can get it back. And um, I think some of us kind of take this pain for granted and it doesn't meaning they, they accept it. Like, Oh, I just have knee pain or I just have shoulder pain. I got a bad shoulder. And it sounds like you're saying that doesn't have to be the case. Exactly. I mean, like, even like the people I play with now, you know, my friends that I play with, they're all around my age. Uh, I'm 31 now. um, And they're all like needing to take Advil or or ice afterwards. And they just, they kind of have that mentality of like, you know, this, this, it is what it is. I'm getting older or I just have knee pain and this is how it is, but you can fix it. You know what I mean? Uh, Even you can fix yours. I think, Maybe after the podcast, I can I can send you some things, and maybe we can check yes. in after like a month. Checking after yes. a month, and see how you're doing. That'd be cool. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the message we want to pass on to everyone today. Is like, if you're in pain, there are things you can do to address it, and uh, we're going to get into some of these things right now. So, but before we get into like some of the, um, you know, concepts of what to do to work on these uh, sort of typical injuries and and sorenesses and pain in players what issues do you see with volleyball players uh i mean yeah the issues i see are probably the same ones you kind of see from coaching right because you you coach for yeah. you've been coaching how many years you've been coaching for like 30 years something like okay that. so yeah. so you've seen the same things which is like uh the knee issues shoulder mm-hmm. issues uh mm-hmm. ankles yeah. uh, the thing with ankles is like you know ankle injuries sometimes you land on someone's foot you can't really avoid it but it's um, like after you roll your ankle, you're much more likely to roll it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like if you have stiff ankles after that, that causes knee pain too. So it's like a, like a vicious cycle. But um, lower back injuries as well. Uh, those are pretty much all the ones that I usually see. I don't know what you see on your end, but. 
Yeah, and sometimes like fingers get jammed and stuff, but these right, are right. But these are more like uh, overuse type things that are going to linger, right? Yes. Like the knees and yes. the shoulders and the ankles. You know what's funny is I have every one of these <laughs> on my left side, my left shoulder, my left hip, my left yep. knee, and my left shoulder are all gone bad pretty much. But if I would have known about this, and this is the whole point of this, is if I would have known about some of these things before, and even now, I can do something about it. So um, yeah. that's yeah. really cool. A big thing about it is too is like you know you know we're just talking as like you know older guys that have pain. It, a lot of it is being proactive to it and avoiding it in the future. Because even some kids I coach now, they have like very small lingering things that are are okay. Like they can like sleep over the weekend. They'll come back on Monday and they'll be okay. But the, like the body having pain in your shoulders, for example, is like the body telling you like something is wrong here. We should fix this. Um, yes. So like if you can be proactive and you're like a young athlete in high school you know, it can definitely take your career longer without all those injuries. Such a great point. And uh, playing longer, you can play harder, right? Yep. You can, you can be more explosive, right? Everyone thinks of, I think, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but they think they hear pain-free volleyball and it's like, okay, that'd be nice to be pain-free, but what's it really do for me? Right. But there's, yep. like you said, longevity. If you trust that your body is going to be healthy and pain-free, you're going to go harder. You're going to play more confidently. Right. So uh, do you agree with this? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, even just like practice, you know, there, we've had players that I coach in the past that like, Oh, you know, we have a game tomorrow. I'll take it easy today because we want you fresh for the game. But uh, mm -hmm. if you have like the pain-free ability, you can practice hundred percent and you can play the game hundred percent. And like when you miss out on practice or you can't try as hard, you're, you're missing out on your skill acquisition and, and, and you're learning and all that. So such a good point. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I guess that brings us around to what is the pain free, uh, I don't know, concepts that are, you know, working for you guys. What is, what are you seeing and what is, what is, what are you guys recommending? Yeah. I mean, uh, the biggest thing we see is, is like you said, imbalances is one. Um, so like a lot of people have the same issues that you have where like your whole, left or right side is pretty much your jacked up side. Right. Uh, and I was the same for me it was my right side. Um, and I, I think for me, it started because I used to roll my right ankle uh, pretty often a lot when I was younger. Uh, and you just never take care of it. So it just kind of builds on up. So uh, I mean, our main thing, though, is, is in order to prevent pain or, or to be proactive with it or, or fix it. Like the first thing is we want to increase the ability of your joints. Right. Um, and that means your joint and the muscles that surround it. Uh, basically increase the ability so that they can like withstand the forces you place upon it. Right. Cause like for volleyball, for example, uh, you are like full out max jumping and full out max swinging multiple times in a match, sometimes multiple times within like a, a given point or a rally too. So like uh, you keep doing that for, for weeks and months and years doing these missions. Right. So you want to increase mm -hmm. the abilities of those joints. Uh, another big one is like uh, blood flow. So we do a lot of like um, like short range movements, but really high reps and, and low weight to basically give you like a burn, right? Um, okay. So for example, let's talk about knee pain. Like okay. uh, one of the big things we do is uh, we call it ROKP, stands for reverse out knee pain. But you're essentially doing like something with a small range of movement that makes your quad muscles burn, right? If you can do that, what you're going to do is you're going to increase blood flow to that area. 
and blood flow is the thing that's going to like improve healing and recovery. Oh, okay. I love that. Right. So we, we focus a lot on that at the start, right. To get you out of pain first is like increasing blood flow. Um, that's why you see people use like a heat pad, for example, that's another way to increase blood flow. Um, Okay. Uh, but but the way we do it also increases the strength of your muscles and your knee ability, right? So you can use a heating pad, but that's just temporary. Uh, our thing increases blood flow and increases the strength. Oh, you know, I, I should I should also mention too before we sure. move on from this, like uh, with concepts and whatnot. Another one is like uh, building more uh, range of motion. Okay. Uh, so you might think about like flexibility, for example, right? So it's increasing flexibility in the right areas and range of motion. So like, for example, ankles, right. Uh, increasing the ability for your ankle to dorsiflex or for you to like bend it all the way. Uh, a big one is hip flexors. Uh, hip flexors are, are usually tight for pretty much anyone who sits all day, which is pretty much everybody. Right. So yeah, mm -hmm. uh, it's about increasing that flexibility and increasing like the strength in your new range so that you can like actually use it in games. That's like the big thing. Uh, I see. It's cool. Cause it, it all works together. You know, it's not just like one, like a one fixed thing. We just work on fixing everything so that like, you know, we, we don't like, for example, we can't diagnose things. We get like members who want to join, like, Oh, I think I have this. And we usually just say like, you know, we can't diagnose things. We're not medical professionals, but um, you know, try our program out, do this. And we kind of do like a, like a 360 approach and you'll probably see that your issues just wash away. Like it could be your flexibility of the issue. It could be the tendons that need more blood flow. We're going to do both and you're probably going to feel better. Right. So that's kind of the, the big thing. That's really cool. So, so what's this look like in terms of like in the gym? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a great question actually, because people who, so let me kind of like, uh, I think I'll walk you through like a, a workout kind of okay, uh, and perfect. you can kind of see how that works right so uh, anyone who like joins they're going to do uh, our zero program first and that's like uh we, we start off everyone there because everyone should start at zero we think you know start from the base uh and it's a body weight program so you don't need like a gym or anything uh but we start first with uh the ground up approach that's huge for us which is like you train from the ground up so uh many people who who do train they generally trained in the opposite way, right? You focus a lot on like the big muscles, like the hips and the quads, and you don't really focus on like the calves and the ankles and things like that. Right. So, okay. um, so we, we train from the ground up, which means we start each workout with your ankles and your feet. Okay. So, okay. uh, typically it starts off with, with, uh, tibialis raises. Um, it's kind of hard to explain without seeing it, but, um, essentially you, you can do it by, uh, putting your, your butt against the wall, you lean forward, you straighten out your knees. And then you bring your toes and your feet towards your face, right? You're kind of flexing the, uh, the ankle up. Right? Okay. And the muscle you're working there is like the front uh, tibialis muscle. It's like basically the opposite muscle of your calves. Is that where everyone gets um, like shin splints and stuff? Exactly. Yep. And, okay. and in fact, the tibialis like exercise is great for shin splints because you bring blood flow to the area and you heal it like that. But okay. um, so we start workouts with that. You'll do, I mean, if anyone's listening now, you can pause the podcast and try yourself, mm -hmm. uh, go against the wall, put your feet out there and, and do 25 reps squeezing at the top. And I bet you you're going to get a pretty good burn just based on that. Right. So, um, most people that start with this workout, they, it's really hard for them at first, um, because they just never train it. You know, I didn't train my tibialis till I was like, until I was 28 when I did ATG basically. Right. And you realize that you have never trained this muscle to failure. Right. So, um, 
we start with that. And there's kind of two reasons why that one's a good one to start with. Uh, one, if you feel a burn in your tip muscles or where the, uh, the shin splints would be, right. Uh, that means you're getting blood flow there, right? So let's say you have knee pain and we start you off with this exercise. Like in order for blood flow to get to your tibialis muscle, it has to come from like the heart, right? The heart pumps out blood. And on its way down to your tibialis, it's passing through your quads and your knees. So you are getting kind of that blood flow passing by your knees without even bending your knees or doing anything at all with your knees. Ah, I see. So right. low impact. Right, low impact. On the knees, uh, yeah. And it starts people off. And we do this in like order. So if someone comes to us with really bad knee pain, where like they can't even walk downstairs, they can do this exercise pain-free to start off and they can build up from there to getting to knee bend eventually and so on, right? So uh, we start with that. And then we go to the other side. We do uh, what's called a FHL calf raise, uh, basically just, just a calf raise against the wall. Uh, and again, same thing. You're getting blood flow to the calves now. And again, blood flow has to pass through the backside of the knee now uh, to get down to the calves. And we start working it that way, right? Mm -hmm. Then we flip it back to the, the tibialis raises again. So we just kind of bring the blood flow back to the front again. Uh, and then after that, we do another form of calf raise called like the KOT calf raise, right? That is like a KOT stands for knee over toe. Okay. So it's like a, you basically... I mean, so like a lot of things I'm mentioning in the workout, if you follow like my Instagram or you look at knees yep. over toes guy on Instagram, you'll, you'll see these exercises and you'll, cause he posts about it all the time. You'll, you'll see him, you know, um, but the KOT calf raise is you basically bend your knees. So they go over your toes and you do a calf raise, uh, from there. Okay. And that's going to actually oh. hit, hit your lower calf a lot more than your upper calf, which no one really trains. Ah, okay. All right. I'm starting to see the difference in the approach here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like that, that's the first kind of couple of steps that just takes care of the whole like lower leg and, and even the feet, you know? So like when you do some of these things, you, you might feel in your feet first and that just means your feet are weak, which is fine. Cause we're strengthening them each time we do this. Right. Right. Uh, okay. So after we do that, then we move up to the knees. Uh, so we'll do some type of reverse step up, right? That is like where you on uh, when you do like a single leg workout and you just work on getting your knees over your toes, like on the way down and then back up on the way up. So think about like when you walk down the stairs, mm -hmm. it's kind of like doing like you're walking down one step and then before you continue on, you actually come back up on that step. Right. So we do, okay. we do that. At first. Okay. Yeah. So we, we do something like that and there's different variations we do, right. We usually start someone off with something called the Patrick step, which is where, you do that, but you have to keep your heels down. Uh, and that just works on your ankle uh, mobility. So we kind of uh, focus uh, in on that first. Okay. All right. So uh, for that one, we do, again, it's, it's no weight, it's body weight. But we do high reps. So it's 25 reps each leg. Okay. Um, and it's like a unilateral thing, right? So you know how you said your, uh, I think you said your left side is worse than your right side. Yep. I'm lefty. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we have general rules too, which is like, if your left side is worse, you have to start the exercise on your left side. Okay. And if your right side is stronger, you can only match what you do with your left side. So like, let's say I can only do 20 reps on my left side before I, I give out. I'm only going to do 20 reps on my right side so that I don't increase any imbalances anymore. Uh, smart. Okay. I like right. That. And then if you want extra, you just do, uh, you do an extra set on your left side on top of that. Right. Cause the idea is to catch up both sides of the body together. Um, like doing that alone will help you with a lot of injuries and, and things like that. Just, just that alone. Just, 
what what do you call that rule i like i like the or that idea uh it's just like a just an idea of balance but okay. any any like unilateral exercise which is like a single leg workout um, I, I really like that because i think what a lot of people do is they'll do unilateral stuff but they'll continue the imbalance by building up both mm -hmm. sides and it, it it doesn't solve the problem you just become imbalanced just, but strong even more imbalanced yep yeah. exactly so okay. yeah that, that's a simple simple way to train right there too and that goes for anything you know shoulders you got you your left arm versus your right arm you know if you train it that way it's gonna help you out a lot too it's just fix those imbalances by doing by only matching at first and then even doing an extra set on the weaker side like that like that yeah so we do that first and then after that we work on uh, a little bit more of the um the flexibility and strength aspect. So uh, we do something called the ATG split squat. And this one is like super different because like your typical split squat, you, uh, you just kind of elevate one of your feet and then you just, you know, you do like a, like a, like a squat, half squat, right? Uh, for our split squats, we aim to get like a full knee bend, right? And for us, we define it as like, if you can get your hamstring to completely cover your calf muscle, we consider that a full knee bend. Right. Um, wow. So that is quite different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and most people go to like 90 degrees or, or so when they come back up. But the thing is like no one or not enough athletes will train in this full knee bend. And that puts the tendon under kind of like a different kind of stress, different kind of load. And uh, it's a great way to build up to squatting by doing it single leg. Cause we do split squats and the same rule, right? You're going to have like one side tighter than the other and you have to work out that imbalance that way. I like that. Um, Super yeah, and a, yeah. A, a big one with the split squats is that it really works the hip flexors. Mm -hmm. um, so hip flexors, just to kind of like walk people through it, it's like, I think everyone knows what the quad is. The hip flexors just higher up on the leg. And a lot of people will be tight there. You will not be able to like fully straighten that back leg when you're doing a split squat. Uh, and so we spend the whole system on ATG working on the hip flexor length and strength. Uh, I love that. That's such a key point. So I've always heard that sh short hip flexors are a cause of a lot of back pain, yep. right? It, and so it could like kind of tilts the hips and then throws the back out of whack, right? Yep. yep. And, and so this is stretching and extending the hip. And I'd also imagine long term, that's kind of like, to use an analogy, stretching the rubber band uh, further back, essentially. Is that, is that accurate or no? Uh, yeah, you could think of it that way. I mean, because uh, you are right. Like the hip flexors generally do push people into having back pain. So we have a lot of people that like, for example, train with us. They come to us for their knee pain, but they're like, when they, when they talk to us, they're also like, wow, you know, I also have back pain and you also, like, that's also feeling better, right? So right. Um, like, and, and I, I thought about this the other day, actually, about how, like, how much we actually sit, like when you basically when you start school, you know, like after preschool, when you go to kindergarten, you're sitting for like eight hours a day. And then you, you get a nine to five job and you do that for the rest of your life. Like yeah. sitting in that like tight flexor position all the time. So uh, it's good to have some counteracts that, you know? Absolutely. So does having a longer tendon improve performance or is it, is it just more in terms of the range of motion of the, um, of the joint and, to, and for the joint health? That's a little bit of both, right? So okay. you are, are lengthening the tendon and the muscle as well, which will give you more resilience. Uh, but if, even if you talk about like uh, building athleticism, 
right? So I also was super deep into like jump training, for example. And like, um, I don't know, there's, there's these guys called like Project Pure Athlete who like break down mm-hmm. technique really well. And one of the things they, they focus on is having like a big penultimate step. And that's like basically your, your step before your left, right. You know, so it's like left, right, left. It's that big step you take. And the more length you have in your hip flexors, the more powerful you could take that step and the longer stride you can take, which will then lead to like a higher vertical as well. Uh, I love that. That's super, that's a super cool connection. Yes. I like that. Uh, would you say that name again uh, of the, the Instagram profile that, that would... Oh yeah, that would be uh, it's, they're called a uh, project pure athlete. Yes. Uh, highly recommended. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They got great uh, like slow-mo uh, technique stuff on jumping and jumping technique stuff. Right. Yep, it's really yep. cool. Okay, cool. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much a typical workout after that. You know, we would do like uh, stretching after that. So there's like elephant walks to strengthen your hamstrings and stretch your hamstrings. Uh, and then you do something called the couch stretch, which lengthens the hip flexors and the quads. So, uh, but again, it's really like a slow way to build up um, all the things we talked about earlier, which is like blood flow, flexibility, strength, uh, range of motion, balance, all those things. So cool. And I think especially young athletes, they think explosiveness, jump higher, right? And this was you and me, it sounds like when we were younger. It's like oh, yeah. everything's yeah. No, I wasn't thinking about blood flow. You know what I mean? I was right, thinking right. about I want to I want to touch 11 feet or whatever. And it's like I these things we gotta make sure it sounds like to me that our athletes understand how important these these things are. Yeah. And that's, that's part of the challenge is, you know, when you're young and you're an athlete, you, you just really focus on performance, which is good. Like that's what we focus on too. Yes. Uh, but you know, the, the way that they train generally is a way that as for fast results. So you can train someone to get a, like a higher vertical pretty quickly. If you just really train their hip power, for example. Um, but that's going to lead to injury later on because the knees can't handle the new hip power and the ankles can't handle the new hip power. Right. So, um, yes. that's what happened to me too. I, I trained my vertical, like in college and it got up there for sure. But then I, I realized my knees couldn't handle it. So then it just basically went back down and got even lower than before. So, yeah. Well, and I saw LeBron James, uh, workout on YouTube and mm-hmm. he was doing a, but it wasn't this, but it was, it was a similar approach where, a lot of smaller muscles that we kind of take for granted he was working on, right? Like I thought he was going to be benching and, you know, whatever. Right, right. I don't even know. But, <laughs> but it was like a lot of stuff with bands and stuff like this. And this sounds like a similar thing where you're, you're working smaller to, to where you can support the bigger muscles better. Does that right. sound accurate? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's the case because most people need to start there. You know, like we have like more advanced programs where you start doing more of those heavier uh, lifts and things that maybe seem more explosive. Uh, but you can't do that until you have built this base. That's like a key thing. A lot of people don't understand yet. You know, I agree so much with that. And <clears throat> this base is probably something coaches, you know, should be trying to get their athletes to do right. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's all body weight, right? I mean, obviously, they probably need to check out your page and, and see the exercises and, you know, make sure that they're – but, I mean, they could do tip raises, like, today. Oh, yeah, right? they can do they, – yep. They can, they can just, you, like, Google or YouTube, 
you know, tibialis raises and they'll, they'll find things uh, to start that. And they can start that today. And that's something that you can recover from. It's not like when they do tip raises, they're not going to be able to play the next day. That is right. something you can do pretty much right away for sure. That's a great point. And if you want to get deeper into it, then you can do the full program, right? The ATG program yep. uh, with, with you guys. I think that'd be super cool. So are, are there any myths that we, that parents, coaches, players, athletes um, believe mo- like commonly that we need to counteract or contradict? Yeah. I mean, uh, we got, there's, there's a lot, I feel like and we also have to kind of be careful here because there's, you know, different uh, things at play and, and people would disagree, uh, which is fine. You know, like I, I'm totally for uh, different perspectives uh, but yeah, at AGG, we definitely have some different perspectives, right? So the knees over toes is, is one of them for sure that we talked about already. Um, another one we talk about or, or ha- have touched on with ATG at least is uh, like icing mm-hmm. uh, and like even taking like Advil or other ibuprofen or painkillers, right? So um, for example, like ice, I, I don't believe in icing uh, okay. injuries, especially uh, long-term injuries like overuse injuries. Like okay. if you have like jumpers, knee or shoulder issues, uh, this one's a huge one. I know though, because like, even now when I play like, uh, national tournaments, right. I play at the USAV national tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's I will see ice. everyone's yeah. ice, you know? So, and yeah. like, I, I, it's like, I, I'm not going to tell people not to do it because it does feel better in the moment. But the thing with ice is that it actually kind of delays recovery, uh, over time. Cause doesn't it kind of push the blood flow away? Or, or is that not accurate? Or am I off on that? Uh, yeah, and you're right. I think like, so with the benefits of icing is one, it uh, kind of numbs the nerves a little bit. So you don't feel that pain, which is like okay. what people like is the, you know, the, uh, like the, I'm looking for the word, like it's like gratification right there. It's like right in the moment yeah. you get like relief, right? Uh, but yeah, it does kind of push blood flow away. And then when you take off the ice, the blood flow then comes back. Uh, and that part's pretty good. Um, okay. but the bad part is when you, um, continue to ice over time, you keep numbing those nerves and oh. eventually your body cannot like communicate with you as well anymore. So you kind of have a harder time knowing, oh. uh, what the injury is. Right. Okay. Um, even, even the term, and I've, I've kind of made a post on this before the term like rice, you probably heard about like right, uh, yes. rest, ice, compression, elevation. Uh, you can look this up. That was created by uh, a guy named Dr. Merkin. Okay. Uh, and uh, years later, he actually recanted his statements. You can find an article written from one of his blogs where he says, actually, rice doesn't work as well as I thought it did. It actually delays healing. Here are some things you can do instead. Oh, interesting. Right? So, what, um, what are some of those things? I mean, not to go too deep into his stuff, but just since we're saying don't ice, what is the alternative? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the big one is um, you want to try not to ice. You can't you leave it alone, right? Because uh, inflammation that comes to the area uh, can be a good thing, right? Because inflammation, you know, I think the human body is, is amazing. So uh, when it does something like, uh, like, like inflame its knees, it, it's on purpose, right? Uh, inflammation actually kind of brings some healing, uh, like healing qualities to the area right so you kind of want the inflammation to happen okay. a little bit uh, but he also talks about getting uh, more blood flow to the area he also talks about like training the area um, but the main thing is like when you do have that pain uh, I, I don't like ice because people feel like when they do ice it they're taking care of the issue and you're not you're just uh... you're postponing it you know like I have a lot of friends that they play and like oh yeah I ice my knees afterwards like I you feel like you're doing something for your knees but you're not training 
Uh, you're not working on your flexibility. Like ice is not enough. You have to do more. And the ice makes people feel like they're doing enough. Uh, I see. That's like, it's almost like putting a bandaid on, on a exactly. broken arm or something. Yeah. It's like, I see what you're saying. So it's, it's, it's not enough. It's not solving the issue. That's a great right. point. It's not enough. And so, I mean, if people want to ice because it helps them for a little bit, that's fine. Uh, but you know, you should be doing more. Like if you, if all you're doing is icing, then I, I have an issue with that, you know? <laughs> so. Yes. Okay. Great point. Yeah. Cool. Any other, any other myths? Um, you know, another one that I like to talk about is, uh, you know, flexibility in general. Uh, okay. a lot of people think that when you become more flexible, you actually lose explosiveness, right? So like they think about like jumping and like having like stiff ankles, for example, right? Okay. When you think of the term stiff ankles, you probably think like, oh my, if my ankles are barely bent, like they're going to be more springy and they're going to help me jump higher. Right. So, um, that's not necessarily true. Uh, you can find studies that, that show that increased flexibility actually um, helps your vertical uh, or helps you with your athleticism. And to me, it just makes sense, right? The more range of motion you have, the more muscle you're going to be able to like engage and, and use and the more athletic you're going to be. But that's the thing I hear a lot from athletes is that they don't want to get too flexible is a thing. Interesting. Okay. Now, as far as getting flexible, um, is stretching at the beginning of practice the right way to do it stretching at the end i've heard different things on this what do you think uh, i like so that's where it kind of comes from too is that there there's like a very popular study out there that shows that if you stretch uh specifically st static stretching before explosive like activity you're not going to be as explosive uh, and that is true like if you if you sit there and stretch for like three minutes and, and kind of wait and sit in that position and then you try to jump you're probably not going to jump as high as if you didn't stretch um, okay. but that can be taken, you know, the wrong way. So like, that's like someone will read that study or, or see that headline and say, Oh, that means I shouldn't stretch them because I'm not going to jump as high. Right. But, um, you should increase flexibility. So, uh, I think after practice is a great time to do it. Uh, just for like some quick static stretching is, is better than nothing. And it's okay. like, you know, it's good for team bonding too. Like you've probably seen that, right? Like you have yeah. captains lead it, uh, before practice, um, you know, they say, uh, what's it called? Dynamic stretching is, is probably better. Okay. Things like Frankensteins and, and stuff like that. So, okay. um, but my, my overall thing is I think you should like, it's not really revolved around practice. It's revolved around like your, your training and your off season training, even where you Great. should be stretching and increasing strength in that new, that new range as well. Like that's where, that's where the key really is. I think that's a great point. And don't just stretch at practice or the days of practice, right? If that's not going to be enough, right. yeah, like just, it has to be this process. And because the more you get flexible, you're gonna, more you're going to need strength in those positions. And it's just a continual cycle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people don't want to stretch because it does take a long time. Um, yeah. And at first, when you're, when you're doing the static stuff, you can do before bed. Um, that will take you know, a little more time. But once you have these new ranges and you're strong in them, you really only have to strength train uh, with your full range of motion. So, for example, like uh, Ben okay. Patrick, mm -hmm. he can do like the, the splits at any time. You can wake him up in the middle of the night and be like, do a split. He'll do a split. He does not stretch anymore. He only trains like the split squat in like a full range of motion with weight to load it. And that's pretty much all he does. Because once you get to a certain level, you just have to stay strong in that level. And you uh -huh. really don't have to stretch anymore after that. Interesting. You'll maintain your flexibility by getting strong after you become flexible. Yes. Yes. That's so um, cool. I haven't never thought about it that way, but I, I think that's really cool. 
yeah because awesome. i mean a lot of times uh, when people are tight it, it's really the brain kind of turning like not allowing you to get into more range because it's like protecting you you know your body is like focused on survival so it's like well i'm not gonna let you stretch that far because you're not strong enough here yet and we, we can't risk that right but once you uh, build the strength there your body knows it's strong enough and it allows you to get to that new range uh i see uh it's like your body's way of protecting itself if yep. if uh, if you can't get into that position in a healthy in a healthy way yeah uh, and then like another big myth uh, I want to touch on is just like um, how to train your back, you know, like um, okay. when I started lifting and then doing like deadlifts and things like that, it was always like, you know, make sure your back is like neutral, uh, make sure you're not curving or bending it, which is, which is true for a deadlift. Um, but I also believe that we don't train um, in like a bent back position enough either or a curved back position. Okay. Right. So when you think about like a volleyball game, um, you know, you are kind of, your, your back is really rarely ever just like neutral and straight, right? You're always kind of bending in, twisting in all sorts of ways. Totally. So uh, I believe in training in that way, in a controlled environment first, right? Um, so that when you encounter those in games, your back can handle it, right? Interesting. So yes. And, and so why, why don't people do that more? You know, I think it's just like when people train the back, they don't think about training in that way simply because like most like most people that train are going to focus on kind of two different camps which is like the bodybuilding camp right uh and then like the powerlifting camp uh and both of those form is pretty strict in terms of like keeping the back neutral and i think that's that just kind of carried on to like athletic training as well you know like uh, i see yeah yeah we're in all these awkward positions in the air all the time or even you know diving or whatever and yeah for our body to be strong in those positions versus just a fixed position. I think it's much more dynamic idea and we're dynamic athletes. Right. So yeah. I think that's a really, that, that's a super cool one. Um, I was gonna say there, there's people that can like deadlift, you know, like 400 plus pounds, but they'll, they'll hurt their back, you know, bending over to pick up like a pencil or something like that. So like, yeah. like that, that actually happens, you know? So, yeah. So that's interesting. So, so some of those ideas obviously run counter to some of what sort of the, the ideas that are out there, quote unquote, in the, in the majority. So right. do you have some support for some of these ideas or, or could you point people towards support for some of these ideas? Yeah. I mean, um, so like, for example, if you wanted to like find um, like different case studies on um, like how flexibility or range of motion can, can increase athleticism or like prevent injuries. You could definitely find some studies for that uh, in terms of like the science for things, you know, we kind of talked about this earlier, but it, it just makes sense that like the more length you have in a muscle and tendon, the more ability you'll have. Right. And um, like, even with blood flow, um, like a big thing I want to touch on with blood flow is that like the blood flow is mainly for like the tendons. Right. So if you break down like the different tissues you have around your knees, you're going to have like, the muscles, and then you're going to have like the tendons and ligaments, right? So the, there's a big difference between tendons and muscles. And the big difference is uh, like tendons have a much harder time getting blood flow to them than muscles okay. do, right? So a lot of times injuries will happen or overuse injuries will happen because the body has not recovered enough. Let's say you're playing like volleyball in your high school. Um, like just to keep it simple, let's say the muscle needs just one day to recover and the tendons need two days, right? So uh, if you keep playing and you don't allow the tendons to fully recover, then mm -hmm. it's going to be damaged 
And that's where you would have to do the things that get more blood flow there in the first place. Wow. That is really interesting. I've never thought about it. That I actually never even knew that. That's yeah. interesting. So the, the athlete's muscles might be recovered from a workout, but the ligaments might not still. Right. Uh, and wow. that's pretty much like, especially if you're training like with low reps and really high strength, like if you're doing like uh, just like five sets of, of five reps, right? You're not doing enough reps to get even like a blood flow to the tendons. You're just really strengthening the muscles. And like the more, like the more that you strengthen the muscles without allowing the tendons to strengthen or recover with that blood flow, then again, the more imbalances you're creating there too. Very cool. Interesting. Yeah. And, and I mean, you guys got a lot of like personal stories that it's actually worked. Like this actually worked for you, right? You had bad news right, right. and it actually worked. And and there's lots of people, you know, like that basically. Yeah. And that's the main thing too, is like, I remember like, it's kind of cool. Cause like now that I, I work with ATG and work for them, like I kind of like saw, um, saw ATG grow. And there was a point in time where Ben did kind of focus more on case studies. I think people like to see like different case studies or different like scientific studies or peer reviewed uh, articles, things like that. So he would, uh, he used to send out these like weekly emails to members where you would like, he would just fill you in on things and give you new information. And he used to link like studies that you could look at that would connect to what he's saying. Uh, and I, I probably have a list of them somewhere, but um, he, we, we kind of went away from that for, for a couple of reasons. Right. So like, and this goes into some, some other things, but I, I kind of have two issues with like scientific studies uh, myself. Right. So one is like, you can really find a study to show anything, right? Like you can find a study that shows that like, um, like chocolate is like bad for you or chocolate is good for you. Right. So for example, something like that. Right. And, and you can do the same thing for athletic studies too. Right. Um, that's like, that's kind of like one thing. And the big thing with us, which is why we're athletic truth group is, um, sometimes we feel that like, you know, science does take a while to catch up to new things. Uh, and, and like myself personally, I would rather not wait for the science, right? Because I really base it on uh, results and experience. Mm -hmm. And like my personal experience results that we have with like hundreds and thousands of others shows that this type of training works. Um, mm -hmm. So we can find studies or maybe there's studies in the, in the, in the making right now. But um you know, it's not like the top of my list or anything in terms of support. Like that. Yeah. And I think that's really cool because we're still working off of outdated ideas right now. Right. Right. So it's like we're in 2020, but some of these ideas that we're operating on are just old. Like I still see a lot of coaches having their teams do a, a long, you know, stretch before practice, you know, and, um, without a dynamic or whatever and so it's like right, right. it's the simple stuff like that where we could help them be a little healthier literally just by switching the order of our practice and putting that towards the end stuff yeah. like that yeah so, and of course I, you know yeah right um there's like you know there's there's many ways to like many different ways to skin a cat for example right so like yes we have like members of atg who like do our program and they are like certified uh physical therapists but they themselves have knee pain to where they you know, they can't fix for themselves. So they come to, to us to try our system of training and then some things from us and try it on their own clients. So that's results, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And results speak for themselves. Right. And, and I mean, I guess the one thing is, uh, would you caution people 
on going into some of these trainings without knowing what they're doing? Meaning, like, is there is there any prep on this that is required, or is safety an issue if they do it without being yeah, yeah. observed first couple times? Um, yeah, and and that's a great question too. I, I mean, I, I think anytime you are training or, or working out or playing a sport, even right, there's like injury risk involved uh, or risk in general involved. So yeah, you definitely don't want to just like go all out and just like like don't just follow Ben's page and start doing this stuff, you know, because like. Um, people can get hurt that way, you know, with anything is that you, you see like a really advanced version of an exercise and you try that version before building up to it. You definitely can't get injured, right? You know, some things are safer than others. Like, for example, I, I don't think many people can hurt themselves doing tibialis raise for the first time, right. uh, but something like the split squat on flat ground, uh, mm -hmm. that could cause pain if you just try it right away. Um, and that's kind of like a, like that's why I love ATG as well is because, you know, the, the system is built in like a gradient scale so like anyone can start like there's different we call them like regressions which is like different variations of exercises um for anyone that can like get started and make progress on right so for example something like the patrick step up or or one of our reverse step ups we have 87 year old grandparents on it and then we have professional athletes on the same exact exercise just doing different scales of the exercise Okay. Like if, if yep. the grandparent were to do the professional level, they would probably break their bones. Right. But, um, everyone finds their appropriate level and then they build up from there. That's really cool. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. That's the way it should be. Now, would, is there anything for coaches? Like I got a lot of coaches listen to this podcast. Is there anything for coaches that you would want them to include that would be simple for them to include efficient for them to include in their practice? maybe on a daily basis or weekly basis. Right. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this too. You know, I, I also coach, so I do incorporate some of these things myself, but um, yeah. I kind of see like three different categories of how this can be incorporated. So like one would be just like conditioning. Some coaches like to use practice time to do a little bit of conditioning. Um, mm -hmm. And they'll have like athletes do like uh, running, running laps or, you know, doing sprints or something like that. Uh, and I think some simple ways you can do it is instead of using conditioning, like, um, like running forwards, something we're big on is running backwards or sprinting backwards, right? Because we spend a lot of our lifetime running forwards and we don't run backwards. So, um, that's one thing you can easily implement is like when you, um, have them condition, you can just have them run backwards instead of running forwards. Cool. Um, I like that. Another one is those, uh, those tibialis raises, like you mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. I like to start practice by having players do 25 against the wall and then end okay. practice with them doing 25 against the wall. I like that. I like you know, that. Because, because you're just at, at that point, you're just kind of, you're building up like building up like money in the bank essentially for their athleticism when you do that. That's so cool. And it's, and it's actually driving blood flow to the areas that they're going to need and right. it's a warm up, but it's a kind of a low, it's a low intensity essentially because it's a small muscle. I like that. That's really cool. Yep. Um, something else is, uh, we also, you know, another, another category, I guess would be, you know, quote unquote consequences, right? Some coaches use, um, like burpees and things like that. Like, Oh, we'll do a quick game to five loser does this. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you can make the losers do ATG type movements. Um, again, tip raises, uh, backward sprints. Um, you can even do like, uh, so like, we, we're big on like sleds for example because when you for example if you uh can drag a sled backwards now you're doing it with more load right so like you have weights a lot of coaches don't have access to sleds 
Uh, but something you could do, and something I played around with is uh, I call them towel drags, where like you have them, you just have towels on like a wood court, and you have like your partner sitting on the towel, and you kind of uh, drag them that way, right? Okay. It's, you know that's a little trickier because it depends on like the floor grip and you know all that. But if you can figure out a way to do something like that, that's a great way to uh, kind of have some fun with it while implementing some consequences too. And, and that's sorry, go ahead. it uh, and it increases like it like every step they take increases you know, their, their injury prevention and all that. Yes. That's what I was going to say. So that's building the strength in those positions um, and, and, and trying to balance out those imbalances. Right. So they're going backwards right. a lot. And, and then this one, it's more under load. Right. Cool. I yeah. like that. And that's you can take cool that idea. with, with any of the exercises. Once you like, once you learn some of the exercises and you teach players how to do them, like the reverse step ups or, or whatnot, you can have them, you know, use those as your consequences instead of, like star jumps or whatever else, you know, cause yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the big concept there is like, instead of helping them be more imbalanced by doing more of the front body, big, you know, big muscle groups, have them do some of those smaller muscle groups, have them, you know, work the ankles, the feet, the calves and yep. some of the back of the body muscles more so than the front basically is that am i on am i on track there yeah you're on the right idea for sure it's just essentially making them work the, the muscles or, or or the skills that they don't typically work so you're just kind of helping them yes. out a little bit that way i love that that's cool uh, and the last one i think would be like kind of skill work uh and this one i'm pretty big one big on so something we haven't even touched on yet is something called jump balance so okay. like we talked about balance between sides but there's also balance between um, like jumps, right? So for example, a right-handed hitter is going to do the left, right, left approach, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and when you really slow down that approach, um, you'll see that like the right leg has way more time under tension, right? So like when you take like the left, as you take that right step and your left leg is catching up, your right leg is under load for longer. Uh, and like, imagine doing that type of approach hundreds of times, thousands of times, um, what you're going to see is your right leg is going to be stronger and more muscular than your left leg most of the time, right? Because it just spends more time under tension um, and that will cause an imbalance. Um, so what I, what I have players do sometimes is I have them um, jump with the opposite approach. So if you're a right-handed hitter, you're going to do the opposite approach and jump that way as well. Oh, that's a neat idea. I like yeah. that. Uh, and That's even to take it a step further, like you have them hit with the op, like I think coaches have talked about hitting with the opposite hand just for like, you know, you never know what situation you're in in the game, but even like working on your imbalances that way. Cause think about like a right-handed hitter, you are taking the same approach and you are essentially rotating from like right to left as you swing. Right. That's where the torque's coming from. Yes. But imagine doing that again, thousands, hundreds of thousands of times, right. In your volleyball career without swinging fully the other way right so now you have imbalances in your twisting motions too that's such a good point right that's, so i love that yeah yeah it's, it's just thinking it's thinking what they do all the time and then trying to do the opposite so that yeah, they yeah. remain balanced basically yeah exactly right that that's, that's a big one um and you know it helps with skill like if you have to focus yeah. on with your left hand you can you never know when you have to do that, but, um, and, and the way you want to implement it as a coach is, is totally up to you. You know, I, I obviously recommend recommending you to do it like 50, 50 is not good. Cause then you waste reps or time on your, your strong side, but 
um, even doing a little bit of jump balance is more beneficial than, than that at all, you know? Absolutely. And I think there's something with the motor pattern where if you can do both, I think it strengthens the original motor pattern. So, and, and just learning, like there are times when you have to hit goofy footing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's just being in all those different positions allows you to be comfortable in them. Right. So it's, but I see, I see that's such a good point. Everyone always, always does their correct approach. And that's, I mean, once they learn it, right. And right. over time, that's just going to create an imbalance. I didn't even think in those terms, but that's a great point. Yeah. You know, a lot of coaches will do like some coaches uh, in practice with like plyometrics, for example, um, mm-hmm. That's something I, I don't recommend too much because, uh, you know, volleyball is already a, a high jumping sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you add on more, it just, again, uh, it, it just makes things worse. Right. But if you did want to do plyometrics, you can just spend time doing the opposite approach plyometrics. And that would be a good way to do it too. Um, I like that. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's a good way to increase vertical. So like uh, even when I started training that way myself and we have others doing that, it's our jump balance workout where you simply just work on jumping from all different kinds of plants, um, that alone can help you increase vertical without doing anything else. That's, that's really neat. I love stuff like that. I love, I love stuff where it's, it, you can just do easy stuff and, it, and it's going to work. And yeah. I think that that's what this sounds like. I mean, it's not easy, but it's simple, meaning yes. anyone can do it. If, as long as you just put the time in, you know, I love that. Yeah. That's, and that's the big, big cool. thing for us is, is sim- the, we believe that like the, the more simple you can make things like the, the more you come towards the truth, right? Uh, we don't have to complicate that's things. It's very simple. That's awesome. That's really cool. Now I know you are training people and uh, working with the athletic truth group and coaching. Um, but it sounds like you're doing a lot of your work online. How is that? Like, how does that, how's that go? Yeah. So the, the way it works is um, we try to make it very accessible to just like the normal athlete, you know, like uh, when Ben created ATG, he really wanted to create the 12 year old or 14 year old version of himself. So like, even like what, what can a 14 year old afford monthly to, to get their training on? Right. But basically once you sign up, uh, you have like a program assigned to you, uh, which tells you like what workouts to do and all that. But the main difference is there's also uh, form coaches, right? That's what I do, where I like send in uh, the last few reps of a specific exercise, and then you would get feedback on that exercise in order to uh, increase your form. So like, make sure you're not pushing your glutes out, or make sure you're doing this, or take it this, take a look at this picture for an example. You should look more like this, um, and that way you kind of have virtual coaching uh, without having a person there in front of you. That's cool. That's really, that's really a cool approach to it. It seems like it's been popping up a lot with the pandemic and stuff like that. How, do you enjoy that? Oh yeah. Uh, I, I definitely like it. Um, you know, we, we also have some coaches that work with clients in person as well. Uh, but online is just nice because it's accessible for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy it so far because my, my, my favorite part is like seeing all the different wins we get, you know, like clients will like report like, Oh, we'll have like an 80 year old person say like, I was able to pick up my, my grandson for the first time, no pain. And I was able to play with him. And we have people in high school, like how I was able to dunk for the first time on a 10 foot rim. So like, yeah, um, those are the things that kind of keep us going. It's like um, helping people get to those different levels. Um, That's so rad. That is so neat, man. It's, this has been tons of great information. Is there anything else you'd like to add that you, you think people would 
you know, appreciate? Uh, I mean, I think the main thing is um, for, for anyone, like if you're considering anything, like just, just take that first step, you know, like, you know, follow myself or follow uh, knees over toes guy, or um, try to start building, or even you can just look up for yourself. I, I just want more volleyball players to play without pain. And I think any, any of the overuse ex- injuries do not have to exist. Like we, we can, we can get rid of all of them if we know how to train the right way. So I, I just hope to spread the idea to as many, uh, you know, specifically volleyball players as possible. That's so cool. I love the mission. I love the information. I totally appreciate your time uh, coming on here. Uh, Katran, his page is pain-free volleyball and they got tons of great content on there for real. And I'm going to use these ideas. I mean, seriously, you gave me a lot to think about. So I really, really appreciate it. Caso, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, and I wasn't kidding. I think uh, after this, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you some workouts, and uh, I want you to try them out. And I wanna <laughs> I want right. to get you back to playing too. So yes, that would be <laughs> stoked. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> so cool. Right on. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on and volley on.